One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day. Now, when Adam Hutton posted a movingly honest status on Facebook a few weeks ago, he never for one minute imagined the response he was going to get. He described in it how, just over a year ago, he had his first panic attack, which changed his life completely. It led to him giving up the hobbies he loved, locking himself away because he was too embarrassed to tell friends what he was going through, and he even quit his job. With this post, Adam wanted to offer support to anyone else who might be going through something similar, and he just wanted to share the story, really, in case it resonated with anyone else. And resonated it did, because uh, some 1,500 likes and 530 shares later, um, Adam... I said you were bowled over by the response. I mean, is that a, a bit of an understatement, would you say? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't know them. I didn't know that it had 500 odd shares either. That's How good's that? Um, yeah, it's been overwhelming at the minute. I'm still getting a lot of a lot of people reaching out, I'd say. Um, I, didn't, I didn't expect anything like that. I just wanted to put it out to make myself sort of feel better a little, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can't believe how far it's gone. And one of the things you talk about in the post is the fact that, you know, you thought maybe you were alone in this situation, but that is just seeing 530 shares and yeah. all of those posts just shows how how much that is that is not true, that you are clearly not alone in what you've experienced. Yeah, it's completely untrue. Um, I've had probably 200 plus people private message to, to talk about their issues, which is great. I mean, that that's job done for me. Like to help one person was enough. When two hundred odd people ask to talk, you just realise how how bad it is over here, and how many people do need to talk. And it could take maybe that ten minute conversation, even even over Facebook, to to settle someone down a little bit. And Adam, that was the thing that really came through <clears throat> in the Facebook post was that sense of isolation that you had initially when yeah. this all started for you. Yeah, well, to be honest, I'm I'm, I'm a football player. I, you know, I, I go to the gym a lot, so a lot of my friends are lad lads if that makes sense and I just felt they wouldn't understand and I didn't really understand myself so I didn't know how to tell how to say it to them I I found in the end that writing everything down like detail exactly how I was feeling and I sent it to a couple of my mates and I felt that really really helped just lifted a, a bit of a weight off my shoulder I'm guessing you've spent a lot of time over the past 12 months thinking about what might have caused that initial panic attack in the first place. Are you any clearer into how this all started now? Not really. I'd like to say yes, and I'd like to tell people a, there is a trigger and I can stop everything, but no is the answer. I haven't. I might never know either, but now I know how to deal with what's going on. I, I don't feel like I need to know what the trigger is. We grew up in a generation, I think, that men are supposed to be men. They're not supposed to show their emotions, which is... And I don't really. I never do. Only since I had Grayson, I I found I had a bit of emotion. But when it comes to something like this, it's so... it's You, you have to talk. It's simple. You have to talk. Male, female, child, whatever. You have to talk. And if, if you don't, you're going to have to battle it on your own. And that's not the right thing to do. So when when was the first time you did actually openly speak about this? And who was it to friends? Was it to family? Or when was the first time you actually mentioned your problems? So after I after I wrote 
the piece to my to my mates. It must have been five pages long. Like they didn't understand. I sat and spoke about everything because it was quite embarrassing, you know, to to think I couldn't leave my car to go for a walk with them in case I got too far away, and I had a panic attack. Like I didn't I didn't want to say that to them. So after I sent them that and they understood, that's when I sat down and and said, this is how how bad it it really is. It's not just I'm lazy. I'm not lazy. I look really lazy because I couldn't go to work or couldn't go for walks, didn't want to go out. So I looked like a lazy person, but I really wasn't. I was just struggling and I couldn't do anything about it. So this post then, um, which went on your Facebook page, say just a few weeks ago, tremendous response. But one of the amazing things about it is that you basically said you want to be there for anybody who's going through similar experiences and be there that you have, Adam. You've had people come to you, speak to you, people you've never met before, really opening their hearts and saying, do you know what? I'm going through something like that too. Yeah, and that's that's great for me as well though. Like to, to be able to talk to other people and understand other people's anxiety and stuff. I, that, I'm just a sponge at the minute. I know what I've been through, but I don't know, there's so many different ways you can go through this and there's no right or wrong answer to it. I think if everyone works together, then we can we can get a get a bit of help going. Um, talking about this issue of loneliness, which Live at Home Isle of Man is really hoping to do something about. Chief Executive Jackie Brideson is with us, and Jackie, just first of all, can you give us an outline as to how much of an issue you think loneliness is here in the island? Well, I mean, we've, we currently run with about 600 members of um, our older population and we tend to have people from the age of about 55 uh, that come along and join in with things. So, I mean, I can't give you exact details because research for the UK, for the island doesn't exist in terms of how many people would feel that they are isolated and lonely. But if you look at UK um, research, then it looks like it's becoming more of a problem. And I think with the fact that the census is showing that the older population is going to grow and grow over the next few years, and it already has started to increase by 21%, people actually getting beyond the point of like 90 years of age. Um, I think it's going to be a problem we have to deal with and tackle. Do you know, one of the things I always remember my grand saying is that you could sit in the middle of Piccadilly Circus and be surrounded by people, but you could still feel lonely. And I wonder how Live at Home, as an organisation, as a charity, defines loneliness then? I think it's really difficult to define loneliness because what's lo- what, what makes you feel lonely and what makes me feel lonely are two different things. And um, I think the problem that we've got is that it's very difficult for people to admit that they're lonely um, and or feel that they're socially isolated. And the thing is, as well, um, a lot of people have got really good family support but still may feel a little bit lonely because if they're in their house day in, day out and they don't necessarily get out, maybe they've lost the ability to drive, maybe they've been... Um, you know, their health has meant that they can't walk so well or that they just don't don't feel like they're able to go out without somebody being with them. Um, that has a massive impact on people. And even if you've got your family constantly coming around to check you're OK, sometimes if they're really busy, which everybody is these days, they might not think that you, you might want to get out of your four walls. And sometimes when you talk to people, what they'll say to us is, you know, I've got a great family support, but sometimes it's really nice just to go out with different people and have lunch together. And that's the difference that we try and make. I was and saying earlier, sorry, um, 
that we are trying to make out the point that we are more than just coffee and cake. There is more to us as a charity than just going out and having a nice time. And sometimes it can be linked, I suppose, to just not feeling that you've got a purpose anymore, especially if you know you've you retired a number of years ago. And that and that's something that we also look for help with because, you know, um, we are very much a volunteer led charity, and we're always looking for people to give up their time to come along and help us make people's lives that little bit better so I've had people at 83 saying to me is it possible for me to volunteer and I say absolutely if you feel that that's something that you're capable of doing please sign up it's a little bit of a, a traumatic thing to have to fill in the che- the checks the safeguarding checks that we do but once you're there you know sometimes the volunteers get just as much out of being part of live at home as the members do celebrating Shrove Tuesday in style this afternoon. Chrissy Dehaven just finishing off her pancake. We've been watching her on the Manx Radio Facebook Live. And um, Jackie, not bad. She uh, did the toss very well, I have to say. Quite impressive. Interesting technique, putting the lemon on while it's still in the pan. Uh, That's going to be quite an interesting one. And scraping bits off the floor, which we saw. Um, Yes, so uh, Jackie, you're in for an absolute Mm. treat. (laughs) Uh, But I'm hoping that she is on her way back up the stairs as we speak it's probably just going to have been scraped onto a plate um, but if you are looking for more inspiration about making your own Manx pancakes this Shrove Tuesday then Laxi Flower has collaborated with two local food producers and what they're really wanting to do is inspire us to make our own pancakes using local produce so there are recipe cards available in ShopRite and Tesco stores and this is for traditional pancakes and also American style as well both of those recipes use Laxi Glen Mills plain flour Manx eggs and Isle of Man creamery milk but Jackie I said you were in for a treat and it's here it's quite small okay. <laughs> we saw, saw it on the floor we did see bits on the floor did you put that <laughs> back in the pan we yes watched. we of course we it watched wasn't a pancake on the floor. it was a tiny little bit of pancake and I put through that bit away I would like to ask about your spatula what exactly was that I love that mm. you were watching it while you were on there um, it it's was a, stirrer. A, a coffee stirrer that's really nice is it mm. she said it's really nice mm. do you know why it's really nice why lots of sugar right mm. and you put that in while it was still in the pan. I actually did, yeah. Yeah. I did that on purpose. I think I think they call it the caramelising. Yes. That was completely intentional. So I would like to say I'll finish it off, but I think I might sink if I ever fell in the water. <laughs> oh, is it a little bit doughy? Mm. Is it? I didn't make the batter. No. It was pre-made. Okay, I'm gonna have a little go of this. Um right, let's see. Um oh it's a nice colour. Some nice colour on it. Very good. Not as anemic looking as Howard's. It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> oh, don't! No, it's nice. <laughs> the look on your face. I think I got a bit without sugar. <laughs> oh, too much lemon juice. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, no. no, no, it's good. You can tell. I think, really I nice. think the lesson we've learned here is don't let me be the cook, and also start from scratch. Use your Manx Lexi flour. Use your um, uh, fresh eggs from Close Lease Farm yeah. or wherever don't you can get them. Isle of Man Creameries, milk. Don't use a coffee stirrer to flip your pancake. We learnt a lot today. Station, Station, Hi, I'm Rachel Ransontier of Balakali Farm, better known as the Farmer's Wife. Technically, I'm the Farmer's Wife for a year, but we've been together about 19 years. And so, so. Have, were you always farming before that? No, my family aren't farming. They are sort of generations back and uncles and stuff, but it's Alan's family that have had it for five generations. The perception is, is that the farming life is obviously very very rewarding but incredibly difficult because it's not one that you can really switch off from what's the reality 
it's a lifestyle. It's 24-7. You know, everyone else on Christmas Day and Boxing Day and things can enjoy their family time, not have to get out of their onesies and things. Um, we don't get out of our onesies, to be fair. We put our wellies on and waterproofs over, but it's a 24-7 job. OK, so we're standing now. We've just been in to see some of the horses. Um, what have you got here on the farm? Uh, we have sheep, cows and pigs are our predominant farming animals. Um, everything we grow crop-wise gets fed to the animals. So, yeah, so we're a farm that produces livestock and we're the only farm on the island that has all three, which and is what makes the product unique because we can then sell you pork, lamb and beef. And you've got the farm shop here on site as well? Yes, we have a little butchery shop here at home and then a room with all the fridges and the sort of what we call the shop front, but it's nowhere near like a Timwood Mills type place. <laughs> it's very much a farm shop. Um, and then we go out on the road at the events, so Southern Royal and the Food Festival. Wonderful. Well, we're going to have a little look around, if that's okay. Yeah, wonderful. Where are we now, Rachel? We're in the cow shed. In the winter, our cows come in for probably from November through till February, March, depending on how the weather behaves. And we've just started our calving season. So we're speaking quietly because this morning we had a new calf. We've had probably three this week. Girl or boy, do we know? We don't know. We This morning, as long as they're up and feeding and happy... We tend to leave them alone until we maybe two or three days old and then we'll go and find out what it is and spray them and stuff like that. So so they're pretty self-sufficient really, as long as you don't need to intervene, you just leave them to it. They are. Like sometimes when they come to feed, if Alan finds that it's easy to do it then, he'd grab them in the evening. Um, but as long as everyone's happy and mothered up, you tend to leave them to it. And have you got any idea how many calves you're expecting? Uh, there's about 100 suckler cows in here, so... Yeah, over the course of the next three months, there'll be about 100. So the breeds of the cattle we've got in here are predominantly Limousin, which is your ginger ones, and the Cherolets, which are the white ones. They tend to have the coolest hairdos, if you look, kids. <laughs> They've got really good hair going on. And then we have the odd short horn and an odd Frisian sneaks in to get the milk count up, but generally the ginger and the white ones. I mean, I'm guessing you form quite a bond with some of the animals would you say they've all got their own characteristics and personalities they do when you work with animals 24 7 i mean some of them don't have nice characteristics either we have one that has big red sprays on her so that you know to watch your back with her um but the majority of our animals you do get to know their personalities like i've got an old cow who listens for when we're moving the fence in the summer she listens for the clicking of the electric to stop and as soon as you switch the battery off, she's through the fence, causes chaos, and <laughs> she is quite funny. But yeah, and pigs especially. The pigs do have big personalities. Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up, here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Once upon a time, there was a woman who travelled a lot. When she was a child, she travelled in her parents' trailer. When she grew up, she kept travelling by plane, train, bus, even on the back of an elephant. She travelled tens of thousands of miles year after year because she had an important message to spread and she wanted to deliver it in person to as many people as possible. 
Her name was Gloria Steinem, and her message was simple yet revolutionary. She believed that women and men should be equal. She believed that women should have the right to decide if they want children, that their salaries should be the same as men's, and that they should never have to suffer abuse from their husbands. Gloria was a feminist. Many people thought a woman without a man wasn't really a complete person. Gloria thought that was ridiculous. A woman without a man, she joked, is like fish without a bicycle. She told women that they could choose whatever life they wanted and that not everyone had to live in the same way. They didn't have to have children if they didn't want to. She also believed that people form families in many different ways and that any family can be happy as long as everyone in it loves and respects one another. To this day, Gloria inspires women all over the world to fight for their rights. Sometimes the truth can make you mad, she admits, but it will ultimately set you free.